It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Ten randomly selected questions. One person's reputation on the line. This is... Trampled Bet Versus. The Lockdown Football Quiz with John Walker. Today's competitor is... I'm Jonathan Null. I'm from the Seasiders podcast, which is the number one slash only Blackpool fans podcast on the internet <laughs> to date. I was saying, I was saying to you a minute ago, I, I'm, I'm genuinely going to. I mean, I've, I'm not working. I've got time in my hands. I'm genuinely going to go join, and I'm going to download. You said you covered Blackpool in the Premier League. I, just, I want to go and cover it and go through week to week and try and picture the games because I think very quickly that season. Even if you had an English team, Blackpool became your kind of the team you kept an eye on just because it felt like there was no interest. They were they were attacking like they were Brazil. They had no interest in defending any game. Yeah. That's that's like a, Blackpool's philosophy at the time was you score three, we'll score four. Um we had a high line all the time, uh, full backs bombing forward, rarely the wing backs rarely dropped back. And um yeah, it was really it was a it was halcyon days to be a Blackpool supporter, it really was. Um we were everyone's second team at the time, as you just mentioned. Um, you'd you'd go and you'd speak to people in bars. I remember one time I was in I was in France on a snowboarding trip, and I was in a, a bar watching the Blackpool Arsenal game. And I saw him with the Blackpool shirt on, and I had people coming up to me like I was like a celebrity. They're all full of English guys. who's in Chimney. Like saying, "You a Blackpool fan?" It's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Oh, yeah, we love Blackpool. Yeah, it's brilliant. Absolutely love watching. You hope you stay up and everything. So yeah, it was great. I remember it's a, it's a season in the sun anyway, so yeah, yeah, I documented it all. I remember the very first. I remember the very first weekend of that season was we went out for uh, the open. We always go out opening day. We always go out for a coupon day, and it was myself and my pick was Wigan to beat Blackpool at home because I think Wigan had been. Oh, you lost on that one, then didn't you? Yeah, aye, and it was very quickly messed up. I think it was three and a half time. We that game we absolutely battered them. I mean. I think it was 3-0, 3-0 at half-time, uh, 4-0. We kind of took the, took the gas at 4-0. I remember Wigan fans, uh, plenty of them, because if you go to Springfield Park, JD, what's it called? JJB Stadium now, whatever it's called. JD, JJB, isn't it? You can see gaps out the corners and you can see streams of them leaving at half-time because they were 3-0 down. And yeah, coming out coming out the JJB Stadium at full-time, um, Top of the Premier League, it was it was dream world to be a Blackpool fan, and I, I still remember Jeff Stelling to this day. He, he said, "I'll just pause this here, Blackpool fans, just take it all in. This is the Premier League table, Blackpool top of the Premier League." And then, <laughs> he, he said, "Put down your put down your Jagerbomb chasers, uh, raise a glass, raise your Jagerbomb chasers, <laughs> and all the pink cocktails that were drunk in the uh, bars of Blackpool." I think Chelsea actually played that day and uh, they won 5 0, so they ruined the party somewhat <laughs> at 7 o'clock. So we were top of the Premier League, if only for a couple of hours, but they can never take that away from us. 
I was going to say that would have been the perfect time if he's had been top of the end of that weekend for a virus to strike and have the table. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, that's right. Well, with the Liverpool situation at the moment, I think it's going to come to a head soon. There's been a tweet doing the rounds at the moment. The last time the league was cancelled was in 1939-40 season. This was just before World War II broke out. Uh, and who was top of the league at that time? I'm guessing it was Blackpool then. Correct. Uh, played 3-1-3. <laughs> so if the league gets cancelled now and Liverpool get awarded the league title, we're having ours. Where's ours? If that happens. Can, would that be the first? Is that the first? Would that be the first time Blackpool have won the top flight? Yeah, we've come second, I think, once or twice, but we've never won the top flight. So the only time we were gunning for the title, Mr. Hitler turned up and <laughs> paid to our plans. <laughs> yes, so yeah, but- we're, we're actually the champions of that league that year. So if Liverpool get theirs, we want ours. Yeah, that, I mean that's that seems absolutely <laughs> fair to me. If that's what's decided, then we need to go back and fix that. Um, so that season specifically, you were you were telling us a story. So your last three podcasts you put out is interviews with Gary Taylor Fletcher, who was a member yep. of that squad. Yep. I don't know. I think everyone will remember. So you were two one up at Old Trafford. Is that right? We were. Yeah, we were. We basically had to win to stay up at Old Trafford on the last day of the season. Um, if anyone remembers it, it was a really exciting end. I think well, there was one of four teams could all go down on the last day of the season. I think it was Birmingham, West Ham. Uh, I can't remember the other one. But the long and short of it is we had to win at Old Trafford to guarantee staying up. But we could also stay up um, if we drew and results also went our way. So it was still within our hands, but it was kind of a, a mammoth task because... United had only dropped um, one point all season at home. That's over the entire season. I think they'd only gone behind one sole season as well against West Brom. So it really was a, a Herculean task to overcome. So we've gone 1-0 down for about half an hour. And then uh, come at the hour, come at the man, Charlie's, Charlie Adams knocked in a, a worldie of a free kick five minutes before half-time. So we're all buzzing. Um the results were going our way at the time. So as it stood at half-time, we were staying up. Um, coming into the second half, we scored, I think it was after about 65 minutes, Gary Taylor Fletcher, an absolutely sublime finish. If anyone gets the chance to go back and watch this goal, um, it was like a one-twos with David Vaughan crossed in and he just flicked it with his instep. Um, it's a, a cross that's been whipped in. He's cut across the ball and just flicked it in with his instep right into the far corner past Van der Sar. So um, it was. I remember when that goal went in. I was. I don't think I've gone out as berserk ever as I have at a football <laughs> game, Old Trafford, because we were right in the corner. So what a moment! But um, Fergie then decided to bring on the big guns, and the game changed. Uh, we I think it was Sonny equalised, and then one of our ever present club legends, Ian Ever, he scored a sickening own goal to make it three-two. Um, just like one of those things that happened, and then Michael Owen wrapped it up four-two, and. Uh, Results conspired against us and we ended up getting relegated on 39 points, which two times, I think you've only, you've only go, gone down on 39 points in two or three seasons ever in the Premier League's entire history. And it hadn't happened for the past 12 seasons. So if we got that points tally 12 years ago, you did, for a 12-year period that we'd played over, we'd have stayed up. Yeah. So yeah, it was a, it was a bittersweet moment. What's been happening since? So I think I said to you before, I came down last January 
for an FA Cup game, Arsenal versus Blackpool at Blackpool. And we were handed out um, leaflets outside the stadium, which asked us not to buy anything inside the stadium. So yeah. I, think, I think we knew before that, we knew something about the owners, but we didn't know the ins and outs. But that was kind of what was passed out to Arsenal fans as they, they went in. Yeah, so... The, the Oysters, who were the, thankfully now the, the previous owners and custodians of the club, they were convicted in the High Court of illegitimately asset stripping the club of 30-odd million pounds. Um, I won't go, I won't bore you over the details, but w- what they did, they, they stripped a load of money out of the club. The, the 20% shareholder should have got his 20% of the money, of the profits from the Premier League proceeds. They they used to set up a load of companies and distributed the money into these shell companies. They paid Owen Oyston um, a record amount. I think it was 10.5 million for a director's payment, which is unprecedented. It's still the biggest right. amount in Premier League history by a, a long shot. You know, you look at the likes of Arsenal, Stan Kroenke, I think there was a bit of an uproar when he was paid in the region of 1.5 to 2 million. So that obviously <laughs> dwarfs that. So, a lot of Blackpool fans started speaking out against this, forums, etc. So the Oysters then, um, if you can believe this, they sued a large amount of the fan base. They took regular fans to court. Um, they took one of the one of my friends, Tim Fielding. He's the he was the head of the Sports Trust, and he was kind of the spearhead of the um, the protest movement and the fans group. So what they did, they employed a private investigator to troll through message boards. Um, to find out any any post that had any semblance of libelous or defamatory comments, and they found some. Um, and they were basically doing this, going after every single, any fan they could think of who they wanted to go after, and they were suing them. These were normal people who were being sued for the, like £20,000, and it, it was ruinous to some people. Um, there was There was times when... One of the men getting sued, he was suicidal because he thought he was going to lose everything, his home, um, his business. Um, they went after a pensioner um, who got sued for £20,000. And So as you can imagine, yeah, Blackpool fans were not happy about this. So there was a, a long-standing boycott called Not A Penny More, which involved um, basically Blackpool fans saying, right, we're not supporting the club anymore uh, in any way, shape or form at home. So we're not attending the stadium, we're not buying tickets, we're not buying food. Um, some people took it to the extremes called Not A Game More, where they didn't even go to away games. So a lot of the Not A Penny More movement, they still went to away games to support the team. Right, okay. But it was a kind of a way to force the um, the owners to sell up. Um, and it, it did it, it, it starved the club of funds for quite some time. Um, and you were kind of at the back end of it. It was a hard slog, it was four years, you know, it was really hard. So imagine having your club and you're not going to see them for four years. Um, it was like a a big period, a big chunk of your life just disappeared overnight. It was quite bad, really. Uh, I think, but I thankfully, think... thanks to the the high court judge, you slammed down this judgment on them. He's he's removed them from the club. They've gone now, um, and then we've now got a guy called Simon Sadler, who's a hedge fund hedge fund manager based out of Hong Kong, born and bred Blackpool fan. Um, and he's completely transformed the club over the last year. So it's great to see, you know, the, the club's now on a solid footing and run professionally. And um, we're, they're putting football first now, like, like we were all asking for. And it's, it's just great to be back having a team to support. 
Yeah, I think it's it's the one thing that um, I guess owners, if you look at Arsenal as well, it, it's it's really it's really difficult. I think it's maybe only something football fans can maybe appreciate right now with there being no football on, that the only way for you to actually try and solve a problem within your boardroom is stopping to do the thing that you enjoy doing more than anything else, which is going to watch your yeah. team play football. And I think Arsenal fans, that, that was what finally changed with the... I mean, I don't agree with the Wenger being sacked, to be honest, but that's what finally changed was the fans stopped going. And that was when the owners yeah. were like, well, we like we well, like evidence, so... I've got um, well, a story about, uh, about Arsenal. I used, I used to work in London for seven years and I was best mates with a, a, an Arsenal fan there. I was really good friends with him. Um, he was a born and, born and bred Cockney. And uh, he said he used to go to the Arsenal um, you know, when it was Highbury on the clock end and what have you. And he he used to go with a group of 12 mates. Um, he, he was quite well paid because he works in the city. as a, He was a back office trader support guy, so he was on a decent wedge. But every year, he said it was getting more expensive to go to watch Arsenal. Um, and he said, he said fans, his fans were just dropping off. So there was twelve, and next year there was ten, then there was nine, then there was eight, then there was seven. And after they moved to the the Emirates, he said he was the only one going because none of them could afford it. They'd all been priced out of going. Yeah. And he's he's like, well, this, you know, I'm getting my ear on my own, so he stopped going himself. And I think he now watches Gillingham or some uh, another non-league <laughs> really? side. Yeah, he says he like. He says he prefers it. He says because it's just solar. He said it just yeah. lost its a lot of its identity. Um, so that's about to be a podcast. The idea of this podcast is you come on, you pick ten numbers between one and a hundred. The questions are randomised. The order is moved around. But even with doing that, there's a very good chance you're going to pick a question that's already been. You just give me an answer, mark a score at a 10, and it's a tiebreaker at the end, and then these podcasts are released individually. Each episode has its own, so it's up to people when they want to listen to If they want to listen to right, them, yeah. fantastic. If they want to listen to their own individual one, that's up to them. But the scores will be posted once all podcasts are out. Whenever you want, just start choosing your numbers. If you can take a note of them so you don't pick the same number again. All right, get a pen. Do it. Right, so your first number... Is it between one and ten, did you say? One in a hundred. One in a hundred. Three. Who scored the opening goal of Euro 2016 but failed to register a goal at the World Cup in 2018? Where was 2016? Was it again? The opening goal? Yeah, the opening goal. Failed, that... to re- failed to register a goal at the last World Cup? Yep. Who won it? Mm. <laughs> Who won it? Who was the champions in 2016? Um, Portugal... Portugal beat France in the final. Ronaldo. It was Olivier Giroud. Scored the opening goal against Romania and then, despite France winning the World Cup, didn't score a single goal despite playing (laughs) a single game. (laughs) What's your second number? Ten. This, This question's come up an awful lot and I will point out nobody has got this right yet. Barcelona beat who 1-0 at Wembley in 1992 to become kings of Europe. Oh, Ronald Koeman scored an extra time free kick. I remember it. I watched it. <laughs> AC Milan. It was Sampdoria. AC Milan is the, AC Milan is the team that everyone has said. Oh, they? I knew it was an Italian team. Every, and they were like the top dogs at the time, weren't they? Yeah, they did one three in a row. Every single person has answered AC Milan. <laughs> I think it's come up four times. Um, your third question. 
20. God, my fingers. There we go. This question has come up a lot as well and has been answered correctly once out of five. In the UEFA Cup final in 1998, so 1998 UEFA Cup final, Inter Milan beat Lazio 3-0. Who was awarded man of the match for that game? 98. Yep, 98. Inter Milan versus Lazio. Inter Milan won it 3-0. Right, let's think Euro 98. was in... Ronaldo. It was Ronaldo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I almost felt guilty putting a question like that in, but see, because of the World Cup that followed the game, and if anyone had, well, everyone had Channel 4, so Italian football was your main main station that you watched football regularly, and he was just unbelievable that year. I was just thinking about the era that time, and I remember him playing for Inter around then. You should go, if you've got a chance, UEFA posted uh, a 10-minute highlight clip of that final maybe a week ago. Go and watch it. It's, he, he, absolutely, yeah, he, was, he absolutely destroys Lazio. He's out, of the, he's out of this world and he's peak, wasn't he? Um, so you're off the mark at least. Um, I will point out, I won't tell you what the high score is. I will point out that the lowest is two, which was gotten by... <laughs> that was my co-host, so I'm very happy. <laughs> above two. Um, what is your right, At which World Cup did Diego Maradona manage Argentina? That's a good one. So he's off his tits in America, which was... (laughs) That was him playing in 94. (laughs) 16 was Germany. 12 was in charge then, or was he? 2012. 2012 is a Euros year, so I'll let you rethink. Okay, so, yeah. 2016 was Germany. 2004. It was 2010. You're still, you're still, you're still, you just need to beat two. That's that's my main aim here. <laughs> um, what's your next number? 60. At Euro 96... What was the score in England's group when Scotland met Holland? So Scotland played Holland. I think you beat, yep. you beat Switzerland 2-0, I think, in the first game, and we played Holland. I know they scored a last-minute goal that stopped you from going through to the next round. Yeah, that was against you. So you, England were 4-0 up against Holland, while Scotland were... Oh, that became 4-1. Yeah, we let one in, which knocked you out, <laughs> didn't we? Yep. So how did you get on against Switzerland? So you must have beaten them. You must have drawn against Holland. One all. It was nil nil. Shite. I liked the I liked the working though. That was that was very enjoyable to hear. It <laughs> <laughs> gets half a point for getting the uh, correct no, wait, score. I maybe should have got the score. I know. Um, what's your next number? Fifty three. Right, you not be. You shouldn't be forgiven if you don't get this right. Just putting extra pressure on you. Who was the top scorer at Mexico, nineteen eighty six? Gary Lineker, Golden Boot. It was, it was indeed. Gary Lineker was top scorer at United six with six. Uh, wait, Mexico eighty six with six goals. Yeah. So you're two two out of six. You can still get in the Champions League spots if you get. You need you need to get at least three and a half if if there's half questions. Okay. Coming up. Next number? 62. 62. Barcelona beat Arsenal 2-1 in the 2006 Champions League final. 
Who scored Arsenal's goal? What year was it again? 2006. <sighs> Barcelona came no, back. No, this one. I can visualise it now. Yeah, Barcelona came back late on with two late Yeah. Two one. Oh, I can see it now in my head. <laughs> Tell me the picture. I want. I want to. Meet, I want to figure out if your picture. If it's what I think it is, I think they went to the byline, crossed it in, and someone bundled it in. Which, what was it? Equalizers. I can see a centre half scoring for some reason. Surely not Martin Keown. Can't even remember if he was still even part of the squad at that point. 2006. No, he won't have been, will he? Let's go with Vieira. It was Sol Campbell. He was on the right. Oh, one. I knew it! <laughs> <laughs> I think we, we actually I think Vieira was already at Juventus as well. Uh, I knew it was, I got it though, didn't I? I can see it, a centre half scoring. So uh, the best we can hope for is another Europa League spot, I think, depending on what comes after. So we've got three questions left. You're on two out of seven. Okay. Uh, seventy. Newcastle versus Aston Villa in two thousand five. Lee Boyer and Kieran Dyer were sent off for fighting each other. Who was Newcastle's manager that day? What year again? 2005. I just remember the press conference the day after. I think. It wasn't Rude Hullet, was it? No, it was Graham Suness. Suness, yeah. I remember the press conference. He had them either side of him like a like a school teacher. Yeah. Having them in trouble. Oh, yeah, you, know, you forget, don't you? He was the manager there. I know. It was so, so... Uh, yeah. Not lived. Um, so you've got two left. I really need you to get one right. 80. That's, that's, that's a good one. That's a good one. In 2018, at the World Cup in Russia, PSG and which English club provided the most goals? So PSG had Mbappe, Neymar, and which English club provided a joint top most goals? Spurs. Correct. Oh, that was that was Jeez. fast. That was fast. That was good. See the amount of people that have failed to go back from just Harry Kane being top goal scorer. So you'd yeah. Harry Kane. So there's Trippier. There's Trippier. Ali, Trippier. Trippier, Trippier Chris couple in. Denmark. Ali, Ali. Loads. So Son. Yeah. Three out of nine. So one more to go. Ninety. 90's a tri- just a trivia one. Just a straight out of a quiz book. Who was Britain's first million-pound footballer? Trevor Francis. That's correct. Four out of ten. Four out of ten is nothing no. to sniff at. We've had a, a fair few twos and we've had a few threes and threes and a half. So, so close on the Sol Campbell one and the... I know. That would, that would have put you... Got really one score. Uh, John, thank you very much if I could run and do this. I know, I know everyone's trying to do their own thing and keep busy, but I really appreciate uh, filling our space and keeping some content for us to put out to our listeners. No worries, mate. Okay. Have a nice evening. Good night. Bye. Bye. This podcast was written and produced by John Walker and Gary Black. For more of our podcast, please visit trampledbet.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. 
So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.